Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Literacy View. We have a really interesting guest on with us today. His name is Nick Giliberti, and I'm going to have Nick tell us a little bit about himself because he has quite a resume. So, Nick, jump in now. We're so happy to have you. Tell us about yourself. Well, first and foremost, thank you for having me on. Uh, it's truly an honor to be on here. I've listened to your podcast before, and I have to tell you, you ladies are a wealth of knowledge and very grateful to be a part of this. Um, okay. That's first and foremost. Um, I am a certified personal trainer through the National Academy of Sports Medicine for the past seven years. Um, I have my bachelor's in science um, in nutrition and food sciences. I'm also certified as a specialist in fitness nutrition, and I am one of 300 trainers certified countrywide through the United States Olympic Committee in all the major Olympic lifts. I'm certified in adaptive fitness for clients with special needs. And the uh, last but certainly not least, I am finishing my graduate program to be a doctor of physical therapy, um, and I graduate uh, September 12th. Yay, that's wonderful. Wow. So we have a, nutrit a nutritionist, a physical therapist, and a fitness trainer all on the same show. So that is so cool. So Nick, I'm going to jump right in because you know this is called the Literacy View. And so um, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was the connection between nutrition and learning, because I think that's something that parents and teachers are interested in. And um, could you just maybe fill us in about which foods maybe help us to concentrate and um, might be able to be helpful for focusing or certain vitamins that you know of that would be very helpful to know uh, that parents uh, are interested in? Well, first and foremost, that that's a great question. Um, and I want to touch on that by saying that I think that with any area of healthcare, nationwide, we are struggling with healthcare literacy, um, particularly that of nutrition and the food sciences. Um, we're so outdated in terms of our education, our curriculum, that a lot of people still to this day think that we follow the food pyramid. Um, that's one thing that we can kind of dismantle right away, that the United States government, um, the USDA, uh, no longer identifies with the pyramid. It's now the MyPlate. So to begin with that, um, for those who don't know, you can go to like myplate.gov, uh, if I'm not mistaken, and you can see the breakdown of what we all should be eating. Um, it's important to recognize that nutrition, as with any area of healthcare, is a ever-evolving um, study. And the more that we learn, the more that we experiment with, the more that we uh, recognize in, in terms of our study, we see the benefit, the long-term benefits of um, our health and fitness. So to begin with that, um, to your, to answer your question in a roundabout way, what we really want to hone in on is we want half of our plates should really be consisting of fruits and vegetables. A lot of people don't realize that. Um, I believe that most of our dietary fiber, um, should, well, most of our dietary fiber should be coming from fruits and vegetables. However, it's coming from all these refined, um, ultra processed sources with 
uh, high fructose corn syrup, and we're, we're really not really getting any fiber content at all. So half of our plate really should be consisting of fruits and vegetables. Moving on to our proteins, we should be having about one fourth of our plate of lean protein, which we're not getting. It's all of it's highly saturated in saturated fats and salts, and it, it's o- o- overly processed, refined things with chemical preservatives that are seriously dismantling our, you know, cognitive abilities and uh, our ability to just overall be healthy. And then lastly, a quarter of our plate should uh, should consist of whole grain, which of course, we're not getting any of that. So it's very important to recognize that these are the pillars of a healthy, nutritious, my plate, so to speak. That's what I like to tell people when I educate my clients and my patients on, you know, when they ask me, well, what should I eat? Well, let's start there. Um, And from that point, then you can kind of zero in on the specifics of everything. Because I think that a big problem that we have is oftentimes we are overcomplicating things. We're focusing too much on minutia. And in, in, in order to facilitate that literacy, that healthcare literacy, as we're mentioning, let's start with the big picture. And then once we start from the big picture, we can zero in on those smaller, minute things that where we can find us often muddying the water. Mm-hmm. So that that's so interesting. I love how you use the expression healthcare literacy because that's where we are, the intersection of healthcare literacy and of course literacy in terms of reading and writing and language. So Judy, I know you were super excited about this episode. So I know you want to go and um, ask your questions. So start off with a question or a thought that you have, and then I'll jump in after. So my secret right before we started taping, I think I suffer from something called white coat syndrome. I don't know if it's an official term. Now, I'm not the type of person that actually likes to run to the doctor a lot. I'm actually terrified of doctors. And it's really hard for me to even go to the doctor, to even make a phone call to a doctor. So I'm really excited that Nick's here today because here I am facing my fear head on. (laughs) And I think this is really an important topic. My teacher friends found out that you were going to be on with us today. And they're like, Judy, ask this question. Judy, ask that question. What do we do for meal prep? What do we do for their kids' lunches? The kids hate sandwiches. What do we pack? I mean, I I think I have like 50 questions to ask you. So maybe (laughs) I should slow down. I have a lot. You can ask as many as you want. I, I am completely free all night. All you right, ladies so, take priority. So let's let's start with lunches. Teacher lunches. Do we meal prep? We're barely functioning, functioning a lot of us educators, right? We're zooming out of the house. Some of us have kids to take care of. Some of us don't. Some of us are on the Metro North or on the trains at four in the morning, five in the morning. You know, we many of us set an intention to make those overnight oats but then we didn't do it. Like, what can we start packing as teachers in our lunch boxes? And then maybe after that, you can give us some tips also for what we could pack for our kids. My kids are already 18 and 20. I still try to pack them snacks, uh, gradual release. That's going to stop soon. But we have a lot of viewers and parents and people on here that might be interested in both. So teachers and then kids. So I think it's very important that we recognize that no one singular thing will work for the majority. We need to kind of dismantle this thought process of what can we do 
in it as as in unison with one another for like meal prep or what meals are going to work for some may not work for everyone. So I like to give the advice to my patients, my clients, where the whatever it works for you is going to work for you. So I will talk about myself for an example. For me, it's easier not to eat than it is to eat. I know that might sound ridiculous, but and alarming at first, but think about it. Intermittent fasting. When I when I first, you know, when I was in middle school and high school, that really wasn't much of a concept scientifically or or it wasn't a status quo thing to do. And as we again, science and literature and research evolves, intermittent fasting works for a lot of people. So I think it's also very important to recognize what works for you and what works for your kids and what works for um your specific household before you start accepting you know, what everybody else is doing. Um, and I say the intermittent fasting thing because it's a very polarizing thing. Uh, for me personally, it works. I don't recommend it for everybody because it may not work for everybody. But for some people, and that goes to say the same with meal prep, meal prepping may work for some, whereas it may not work for others. And it, it, it's important to have that self-awareness before you decide to jump into something as to, well, what's going to, and asking yourself that question, what is going to be the most sustainable thing for me. And I tell I tell this to people as well. Your best ability is your availability. So again, going back to the whole intermittent fasting thing, if I can consistently say to myself, you know, well, I, I'm not hungry in the morning. So there's no point for me to waste money, buy a bunch of food, choke down a meal that I really don't want to eat and have it not make me feel sustained throughout the day or happy throughout the day. And it's not something I'm going to have a last... That's not something that's going to have a lasting impact on my... Um, my health journey, it, it's not going to work. So the same is to say when it comes to uh, meal prep and snacking and what works for you and your children and your household. Um, and so my advice is to experiment a little bit with everything. See what works, see what sticks, see what doesn't. And when it comes to children of any age or even with ourselves, try everything. You know, the kids are sponges. You know, whatever we expose them to, we're going to figure out what works. That's why a lot of parents put their kids in a bunch of different athletic or artistic programs to kind of see what what's their niche, you know? Um, so when it comes to, I, of course, we want to stick within that my plate that I just mentioned earlier. So this is, this is kind of part of that like telescope effect that where we're kind of zeroing in on things. So we have the big picture. We know that our meals throughout the day should consist of this big picture. Now, how do we plan in such a way to facilitate this whole concept of the my plate and the having fruits and vegetables and and and, and lean protein and uh, whole grain in our meals? So, um, what may so in short, what may work for some may not work for the majority. My advice is to experiment a little bit with everything different types of foods, different types of food groups, and trying to see what works. So Nick, um, I think one of the issues is that sometimes people try to pack their lunches in the morning when they're rushing to get out the door. So some of this is time management as well. I mean, it's not just the food, but it's the idea that maybe it's the mindset that's not the best time to start thinking about this because we're going to grab something that is just 
convenient and might not fit into that my plate scheme that we really have to look at being a little bit more prepared the night before, which is really hard. Sometimes we're all tired um, after a long day, whether it's teachers or parents working. And um, but clearly that is important, I would assume. And that's a great point that you made. And stemming off of that, if you are going to, if you understand that certain things, let's say, will work for you and you are making your best effort and you're trying to put your best foot forward, there is a certain component of discipline that needs to be accounted for that a lot of people, unfortunately, they don't want to hear the the harsh reality that sometimes the easy thing is not the right thing to do. And the most difficult thing is what needs to be done. And with that being said, sometimes having that time management to your point is very important where you are dedicating, let's say, meal prepping on, on, on the topic of meal prepping. Let's say you know that in order to hit your goals and have the meals that are healthy and adequate for this lifestyle, image, physique, health goals, whatever, whatever the case may be, saying to yourself, okay, well, meal prepping, I know that that's going to help me achieve my goals, but uh, you know, I don't want to do it on Saturday. I want to go out and party with my friends or uh, on Saturday, I just want to sleep or, uh, you know, you need to carve out that time. And there's, there is a certain component of discipline when it comes to health and fitness that needs to be done. Same thing that I tell people when they want to go to the gym or if they're recovering from, let's say an injury, if you want to be able to throw a baseball again, or if you want to be able to, you know, uh, play with your kids and, and lift your kids and throw them in the air, you have to come to therapy. It, there, there's a certain level of ritual and a certain level of discipline that needs to be um, set forth for those goals to be met. Yeah. So that's what you discipline is what we talk about. So Judy and I, you know, are teachers and we also tutor children and we coach. And, you know, if the work is not done, then you're not going to improve. So it's the same thing with learning. There there has to be that commitment, that consistency, no matter what we do here. So um, I have some thoughts and then I'm going to have Judy jump in. I'd like to know about supplements because that is a very expensive um, you know, component to health. And some people don't buy supplements. And I'm a big supplement person. Um, and for me, I feel it helps me. What are some important supplements, if you recommend any, that would be good for learning, that would be good for kids maybe who have some language and learning issues and reading issues, perhaps dyslexia, um, because I've read a lot about this. And I do believe that there are certain vitamins and minerals that are helpful for the learning process and focusing. What are your thoughts on that? My thoughts on supplementation are kind of against the grain. Because I feel as though, as I've mentioned before, having quality, wholesome, nutritious foods at home doesn't require supplementation. So a lot of the times, unfortunately, obviously, I understand that life is not perfect and it, it, it's 
you know, it's easier to reach for, oh, you know, let's go have takeout and, you know, have, we'll, we'll order in and whatnot. But we miss, we miss the mark on a lot of those, to your point, those vitamins and those minerals that are key for cognition, key for our health, key for our overall well being. And so what I will say, what I will say is that having like whole foods that are not refined, not, you know, dense in any sort of preservatives, that's going to lead us in the direction of where we want to be. We don't want to have to supplement our nutrients. We want them to come from the source. That that's first and foremost. Um obviously that is not sustainable for a lot of people. And you whether it be financially, whether it be time management wise. And I understand that there's certain key components that are missing. So I'm I'm not avoiding your question. Um, I do think that there is a very um, important connection between the mind and the gut. And probiotics are essential because a lot of the foods that we are eating are, um, whether it's uh, chemical-based sweeteners or if it's some sort of preservatives, it does kill that bacteria in our in our gut that are, that are healthy bacteria. So that's where probiotics come into play. And probiotics, there are studies that uh, very strongly support um, the link between um, low gut bacteria, healthy gut bacteria, of course, and depression and anxiety, and 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 that's 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 something that you know when we look at the modern man or the modern woman and the the rates of anxiety skyrocketing, we also can see a very stark correlation with that of a increase in refined foods and higher preservatives and higher sweeteners. It, it, it's it's not to say that obviously there are other confounding variables that obviously hold weight, you know, whether it be media and tell you know media and 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 a lack of um, you know, sunlight and the exposure to going outdoors and playing and and obviously COVID threw a monkey wrench in a lot of different things, um, body image issues. I I get all of that, um, but that kind of also leads me to my next point where kids aren't going outside and they're not playing as much. We're not getting as much vitamin D. I have guys at the gym come up to me all the time and patients all the time. Like, what can I do to bo- like boost my testosterone? Can I can I go like get like one of these test boosters, or should I go on testosterone replacement therapy? Like, obviously, we're we're, we're talking about children here, but it, it all goes into the same point. And I ask them the following questions, and I, and I present the same questions to you, ladies, and all of the listeners. When you're talking about, can I reach these goals without having to supplement, or can excuse me, can I reach these goals? Or uh, what supplements can I use to reach these goals? Excuse me. And I say, I ask, well, how many hours of sleep are you getting? Uh, I don't know. Okay. Are you getting about eight hours? No, I'm getting about five or six. No, that's, that's, that's going to set you back in terms of cognition, in terms of your hormone levels, in terms of your whole circadian rhythm, that's, that's going to set you back. How much water are you drinking per day? I don't know. Maybe about a bottle or two. That's going to set you back. You need to be hydrated. You need to, you know, fuel your body, your mind, your your joints. That there's so much like that. Just having water will um, help you with that. People don't even realize how much sunlight are you getting. Sun exposure is critical. It's critical for a child's development. It's critical for a, 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 an adult's development. It's critical for again that circadian rhythm for your sleep. Sleep heals all. People don't realize that's how your body recovers. So when it comes to all of those different factors, you know, sun exposure, vitamin D, 
Kids aren't getting enough vitamin D these days. People aren't getting enough vitamin D these, D these days. And you could look up, a, there's a myriad of different um, uh, issues, clinically speaking, that result from low vitamin D. It, it, it's, 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 just, it's just a fact. And then when you look at, well, what, what's the quality of the, the food that you're eating? And they're like, oh, you know, I'll have McDonald's in the morning and then, you know, I'll have a cold cut sandwich for lunch. And, but, and well, you're not having nutrient dense food. You're not. So when you couple all of those things and, and you're having these, these, these things that are like stripping and leaching your body of those good, that good gut bacteria that that's um, high in saturated fat, high in cholesterol, those are going to limit you with, in terms of your cognition. So yes, I get these questions when it comes to like, let's say, particularly men when it comes to, you know, uh, testosterone supplementation and, and whatnot, but it applies to the, to the, um, spectrum of us in our lifespan and us as individuals and human beings. It's not just, you know, one area. It, these are things and principles that are timeless. These are, these are key principles that, that are, that are ubiquitous. It applies to all of us. So, so, so to answer again, your question in a roundabout way, which I'm sorry to be long-winded with, um, I do think that if you need to supplement something to help with your cognition, to help with your um, just overall health and well-being, probiotics—they're healthy. They're, they they are you know they're in yogurt and they are in like uh, in um, different drinks such as like uh, kefir and um, kombucha and, and and things of that nature. But if you're not having those things in your diet, supplementation may pose to help you. If you know that your child is not getting enough exposure outside or they're not eating um, uh, uh, foods rich in vitamin D, vitamin D supplementation, very important. I do want to make a note though, there are differences for certain vitamins between water-soluble vitamins and fat-soluble vitamins. To make a long story short, it, it, water-soluble vitamins are excreted through our urine. Um, they there is no toxicity and any sort of toxicity that you may have may just be just stomach discomfort. So it's important for parents and people to realize as well that there are fat soluble vitamins, like all of the B vitamins, um, the C, uh, vitamin C as well. Those are all water soluble vitamins. You cannot have toxicity necessarily from those. But when it comes to vitamin D, for instance, you can go into toxicity. So it's important that just because you know, oh, well, Nick said, you know, I should be having vitamin D. That doesn't mean you're popping 12 pills a day. You know, maybe having just a little bit where it gives you like that extra boost of like 25% of your daily value because you work a desk job, you're not eating foods that are, you know, rich in vitamin D and you're, you're, you're not getting that sun exposure that we spoke about. You know, you can't just pop, you know, 20 vitamin D pills. You will go into some sort of uh, shock and it, it, it can be fatal. So I do want to make that disclaimer with you know, the audience. Yeah. Thank you, Judy. Any thoughts, any other questions that you have? I know you have a long list, so go it's for long, messy, 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 messy list. All right. So you did talk about the water intake. I actually don't get thirsty that often. It's really weird. And I think maybe it's because as educators, especially when I was in the classroom, as teachers, we don't have a lot of time to go to the bathroom. We have to watch the class. Um, you can maybe go to the bathroom when you have a break. You can ask a friend to watch your class. You might get in trouble. Um, I don't know. I, I think a lot of it from what I'm seeing, even my addiction to peanut butter cups that I'm struggling with, which is another terrible habit. 
I think a lot of it relates to like what Nick and you were saying, Faith, is that self-regulation piece. I think part of it is discipline. I think that, no, you know, I know so many of the things that I should be doing. I've worked with my own personal nutritionist. I think it's just that awareness piece, but also that self-regulation piece that's really, really hard. So, Nick, my question to you is, what do you do when you know what you should be doing? You know which supplements you've been told to take. You know you should be drinking water, but you're still not doing it. You know you shouldn't walk into that, you know, that bodega in the Bronx and buy the peanut butter cup because you forgot to take your overnight oats. What do you do? Like, how do I work on that? I mean, I, you know, we talk to our therapists. A lot of teachers go to therapy. Parents go to therapy. Kids go to therapy. What do you do when nothing is working and you feel like giving up? Well, I do want to touch base on something that you mentioned earlier about, you know, going to the bathroom and not drinking enough because you can't go to the bathroom as a teacher. Systematically, that's a problem. Like systematically, we need to address that that is not okay. That our teachers, our educators, our clinicians, our across the board, that's that's un, that's an unacceptable and inexcusable. So I think systematically we need to get out of this this, you know, from an administrative standpoint, this mindset of, you know, we are machines that are in this, in this, that are cogs in this machine to kind of just do, and that we're not functioning human beings. We don't have bodily functions. We don't have things that are going on. And, you know, that you feel obligated that you need to hold back on your water intake. I mean, I this I, wasn't, this isn't in my current experience. I've just worked in but the for industry. a lot of, but for a lot of teachers, it is. And yeah. I can say that as, you know, my, my mother being a teacher of over 25 years, that, that isn't, that is a common experience. So systematically that needs to be addressed that the te- we need to care for our teachers a little bit better. And we need to care for our, our clinicians and our healthcare practitioners very much so. So that's, I say that as far as making those decisions, and having the discipline to make better choices. It comes from the exposure, I would say. It comes from what you expose yourself to. So it, we, again, we all have choices. And when we walk into the supermarket or when we go to go out to dinner with friends, it these choices are hard. These choices are very hard, but maybe you know, hey, if I go to the deli, I'm gonna look at those peanut butter cups, right? So maybe maybe we don't go to the deli maybe we don't expose ourselves to that you know we don't maybe we don't keep them in the house if you're one of those people that likes to keep sweets in the house we don't expose ourselves to that and i do think again that that we shouldn't have to rely on it where you should be in front of a peanut butter cup and say ah oh, you know i'll have one and that'll be it or oh you know that's uh, I, i'm not going to i'm not going to partake or engage but how do we get those wheels turning how do we get those wheels turning we get those wheels turning by doing what needs to be done and avoiding things that are going to trigger this cascade of poor decision making. So if we know, okay, if I go to the deli, I'm going to see those peanut butter cups. I'm going to avoid the deli. Maybe you don't go to the deli and maybe you go to uh, like a smoothie bar or maybe you go to, and and that's, you know, that's also another concept that we can kind of delve deeper into where there are things called food deserts. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with the concept, but you know, desert, but not food desert. So a so a food desert for those who are not familiar it is an area, a geographic area, particularly in inner cities where they do not have access to quality nutrient dense food. It's predominantly um, 
fast food. Fast food. Yes, it's predominantly fast food and uh, it, it, obviously cheap food and with you know high levels of uh, preservatives and salt and cholesterol and fats and all, all that sort of stuff. So for some people, and I don't want to sound insensitive because for some people it's going to be hard in, in food deserts where finding quality nutrient-dense food is difficult. It's going to be difficult. And that's hard. And that's where, you know, having that homebound, homegrown type of grassroots movement where you are um, cooking and meal prepping and doing, that's going to be a lot more difficult and a lot more strict. Um, But for people who have the accessibility to say, okay, I have a deli over there and I have a smoothie bar over there. Maybe I'll go to the smoothie bar instead of the deli. So you have to make those choices and you have to um, kind of not, as, as I was saying again, not expose yourself to um, to those temptations. So Judy, stay out of the bodega. <laughs> I've been out of them for a little oh, while. I did this for you. <laughs> September. I don't know. No promises. No, I'm going to try. I'm definitely going to try. But it's true. Like once you, like you might say you're going to eat only half the cup. Then you look at the other half of the cup and you're like, screw it. I'm going to eat another peanut butter cup. And then you're like, okay, there's only one more left in the pack. I'm going to eat it again. And I think it's hard for a lot of people because, you know, I'm a middle-aged woman now. I guess I'm middle-aged. I don't even know what middle age is. But, you know, when I was younger, I was my nickname was Skinny Bones. That was literally my nickname. And then I hit the 40s and it's like the metabolism. It's like, what the hell just happened to my life? I don't even recognize my body, the way I feel, my energy level. It's just a lot different. And I still think I'm pretty young. I go to the gym, but losing weight in the 40s, it sucks for me. I don't know if it sucks for anybody else, but it sucks for me. It's it's difficult. Yeah. What's that all about? So what do we do to speed up our metabolisms if we're in that bracket, which I'm sure many parents, educators, whoever, administrators might be in as well. What do we do? It, it, and I'm, I'm going to refer back to those principles. You know, we need to take some time. We need to take some time to seriously evaluate our sleeping habits, our water intake, the quality uh, and nutritional density of those foods, our exercise, our level of exercise throughout the week. Um, all of those things play a factor in terms of our metabolic processes. So it's very hard and it it becomes very easy to like lose sight of that. But these are fundamental principles that are so important to our existence and so important to not only just life, but our quality of life. And and it, it affects us in so many different ways. So those like primitive those and I consider those primitive like those primitive instincts are are so very important screen time is another thing that a lot of people you know 50 years ago that wasn't a thing like 60 years ago that wasn't really much of a thing like now we have to limit our screen time and exposure to screen time because there are factors that show um there are studies that are showing children with a much higher dopamine uptake than they were 50 60 years ago it, you know the 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 quality and criteria of what uh, um, ADD and ADHD are now are completely different from you know fi- again 50 60 years ago and the um 
level of dopamine in, in, in a child's head and uh, not head, excuse me, in a child's like mind and body. It's, 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 those are all factors that, that, you know, and I, I'm kind of, you know, missing the question here and I'm kind of going in different ways. Say dopamine. What are you referring to just for some of our listeners and um, so that it's more specific for them to understand? So dopamine being like the, the, the happy chemical in our brain, the, the happy chemical in, in, in our body. So, you know, when we, when we are exposing our children to um, prolonged screen time, um, we, it, it kind of, it's like a balancing act, right? So um, to put it in short, a lot of times, and I, I kind of got off the point and I apologize for that, but I'm kind of happy that we're, that we're touching on this as well. Um, when we look at something on our phone, science has shown that, you know, the use, the use of the phone and the use of like the video games and the constant screen time that produces those happy hormones. And when we're constantly flooding our system with these like happy hormones, our body now has a baseline. And this baseline is astronomically higher than where it really should be. So now those happy hormones, which are the same happy hormones that are, that come out with, um, drug use and the same type of the same type of effect of heavy drug users um when you take that away now if someone's off of their phone for 10 minutes they're getting like those symptoms of withdrawal where it's like that anxiety that that restlessness that racing mind because now those happy hormones so to speak are being taken away because you're not scrolling through Instagram you're not you know playing video games you're not doing all these things that are flashing lights and giving you that um, immediate gratification. So that's, that's something that plays a factor. So Nick, you know, I'm listening to this and to me, it just goes back to the idea that we cannot depend on motivation. We have to develop better habits. Like we're never going to be motivated to, um, you know, choose um, you know, carrots over cake. And I shouldn't say that. I mean, I, I, for me, I really do have a very healthy diet and I enjoy eating those foods, but I know that other people would not make that choice. But for me, it's so ingrained. It's such a habit to choose the better quality foods that, I don't even think about it anymore. It's not tempting to me because eating well is a habit. What do you think about that as far as what we could, what we could do for kids? Because they're not the ones really responsible. It's what often parents are putting on the table. So, um, you know, it's not like they're even the ones making the choices. It really depends on the habits that we're building at home and modeling this. What are your thoughts about that? Absolutely. And I'm so I'm so glad and so grateful that you mentioned that because that is so imperative and important because you know, we see kids making these poor choices, but it's not exactly the kids, just to your point. It's not exactly the kids, it's the parents and what the parents are putting putting in front of them. So what I implore parents to do is listen. I, I know I don't I don't have children. I have nieces and nephews. I I get it. It's very easy and very tempting to just put 
dinosaur chicken nuggets and French fries in front of kids. It's very easy. Just be like, all right, you just want to eat this. Then you can eat the same food. But picky eating isn't necessarily like picky eating. To me, picky eating is lazy eating because the more that you expose your, and this goes back to the point that we made um, a little while ago at the beginning of the podcast, picky eating is to me, lazy eating because we're not exposing our ourselves and our kids to the, you know, a, a, a different, a different, variety of foods you know and again when we take that that my plate and we look at you know lean protein vegetables fruits it doesn't have to have to be one thing and that's where i feel like a lot of parents and people miss the mark where it's like eating healthy is synonymous with broccoli and kale well you may not like broccoli and kale if you don't like broccoli and kale you're going to think that fitness sucks you're going to think that eating healthy sucks and it's terrible so we don't want that so but you need to find what is synonymous with you with that sustainability uh, aspect that we were just speaking about, or, or we spoke about earlier, what's going to be sustainable? Let's say you like citrus fruits. Now, th- th- there's nothing wrong with eating. Let's say there's nothing right or wrong with just eating citrus fruits. But if 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 it's let's say eating citrus fruits, for example, versus um, you know candy, or eating like a bag of potato chips go with what go with what works you know what i'm saying so that's why that's why i say it's it's very important for parents to recognize that or and and people and to recognize that eating healthy doesn't have to just be synonymous with one particular thing if your kid doesn't like broccoli okay try something else maybe try spinach maybe try bell peppers maybe try uh peas if they don't like strawberries try pineapple it, you know, and, and it doesn't need to be anything crazy. Just, you know, you can, and I've seen these things on TikTok and I've seen these things on social media and YouTube, and it's really cool uh, where they'll put like a little sample just in front of their kids and see, you know, uh, and, and you can like Google it and check it out on YouTube and TikTok for yourself. And you can see it's, it's these videos of kids and, you know, having my kid try a, a bunch of different foods. So they'll just, you know, put a little in like a little Dixie cup and be like, all right, well, this is a grape. What do you rate it out of 10? What do you like? Oh, I, I like the grape. Oh, you know, here's, here's a raisin. Oh, I don't like the raisin. And it's, it's, it's things like that where taking that extra, again, that discipline, taking that extra step, taking that extra initiative, just to kind of see what works because if you're going to get into this back and forth fighting battle it's just going to be a losing battle where it's like oh well they don't like you know broccoli so uh, here's again the dinosaur chicken nuggets and french fries we don't want that yeah so hey, should i jump in faith yeah, yeah actually just going to call you in and i know you have something to say but i also wanted to just throw out to you about like school lunches judy so like with what nick's talking about um i'm not seeing that match up with what kids get in a school lunch in terms of that my plate type of suggestion. And, um, you know, again, kids don't have a choice. And especially if they're um, depending on school lunches because, you know, parents can't afford to buy, you know, these types of foods. It's really a sin that, Kids are victims of this. Anyhow, what are your thoughts, Judy? I know you had some questions. So my first thought or comment is my kids don't eat peanut butter cups for dinner. Don't serve peanut butter cups. My bad habits are my own demon. Um, It's interesting. And that's probably the case for a lot of other parents as well. 
you know, that plate looked pretty good in my house. I would always make them a lamb chop and then I would have the salad on the side. And all I wanted to tell parents that there is hope. Like my little one, now he's 18. All of a sudden I made a salad yesterday and I put in raw cauliflower, uh, cucumbers, uh, and I put some dill in and I put a little bit of sour cream in and I made a little salad. I've been making different salads and you know what? They're eating it. The night before I made a salad with, you know, simple stuff, tomato, um, cucumbers, a couple of radishes. So taste buds do change for kids. Things that they might've hated when they were four and five might not necessarily mean that they hate it as they get older. Um, the other thing I was thinking about is, so a lot of parents probably think about, um, I have two comments. One was about Faith's uh, lunchbox thing. I can't speak about a lot of lunchboxes in school because I don't have enough time to see them. But sometimes I will see kids walking around. They'll have this fruit juice that looks red. It doesn't look like it's a healthy juice. Or sometimes you'll see kids walking in with the two bags of chips in their hand and they look happy. Um in terms of school lunches, I've seen schools are trying to give kids healthier foods. We see less of the peanut butter sandwiches, more of the vegetables. I think New York City schools even instituted a, a vegan day or something like that. I don't know if the kids are bonding with it, but I think to your point, Nick, is exposing and seeing what works and sticks for kids is is important. But, you know, like like in literacy, we got to follow the data, right? We got to watch those kids. We got to see are they eating it just to say it is, you know, just to say this is what you're eating today. They might not be eating it. So just because we have vegan day doesn't mean the kids are really eating that vegan food. So I think monitoring that is important. And then one other thing I'm curious. So a lot of parents and teachers and kids like cereal, probably, right? That's fast. It's easy. It's something you could have on the run if you didn't have time to scramble an egg or for, you know, make your sunny side up. Any feelings on cereal choices? I know not all cereals are created equally. So just curious on that one. So as far as cereals are concerned, I mean, it it really, I, I, I don't want it to come across that I'm being too, um, you know, obtuse in one direction. Uh, most cereals you're going to find are, you know, you you check the back of like, for example, even Raisin Bran that comes across as a, or it's marketed no, as a healthy. Don't say it. Don't say it's, it. It's marketed as a, like a health cereal, but it has more sugar, if I'm not mistaken, than like some other sugary sweetened cereals, like, you know, I don't, I don't know, like Lucky Charms or something like that. If I'm not mistaken, it, wait, it has more, you're saying Raisin Bran has more sugar than Lucky Charms. I, I, I believe, I believe that Raisin Bran has a deceptively higher sugar wow. content than people give it credit for. Um, wow. so I'm not going to, I'm not, I don't want to be quoted as saying that it's higher than Lucky Charms. It's probably not, but it's, you know, there are other sugary sweetened cereals that are marketed for kids and it, it, it has a higher sugar content than that. So, um, but that doesn't if, if you had a great, if you had to say your top pick for our listeners today, I don't want to hold you to it, but if we just can't let go of cereal because it's fast and easy on the run for kids and parents or teachers, do you have one favorite? 
Is it Captain uh, Punch? No. My, I mean, listen, listen, my favorite is Lucky Charms, but we're not going to, we're not, we're not talking about me. We're talking about you guys. Do as I say, don't do as I do. Um, no, <laughs> um, I, I, I personally, I, I like, listen, I like Honey Nut Cheerios. I like um, the, the, the shredded, the Wheaties. Uh, I, I, I like those cereals. They, they do pose as a higher fiber content than, uh, um, than most other cereals. Uh, so, if I had to say as like a snack, Honey Nut Cheerios, listen, there's nothing necessarily. Are the it. regular Cheerios better though than the Honey Nut? I switched to the yellow box in the house. I like, I like, I personally like the Honey Nut, but I mean, not to say that listen, it, either, either way, you know, the Cheerios, Honey Nut Cheerios kicks. I mean, there's everything in moderation. I, I don't want it to sound like, again, I'm being too obtuse in one direction where it's like, oh, this guy sucks. You know, he's making us eat, you know, kale and cabbage every, every meal. Um, that's, that's not the case. You, you can have, you can pun intended, you can have your cake and eat it too. Um, but it's all about, again, it's about the sustainability and it's about what um, creating these long-term habits and and not allowing these habits to um, put us in a, in, in a, in a compromising position. And can I ask you one more? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So in the field, I see a lot of granola bars from kids and teachers and protein bars. It seems to be all the rage especially for teachers, they're getting their quote unquote protein. Um, and then kids are eating those chewy granola bars with the Quaker oat guy on it. What's going on with granola bars and protein bars? You know what? Some, I, Uh-oh. I stick, I stick, I try, I try at least for myself and especially for my clients to, to stick to foods that have only one ingredient, for example, and come from the earth. So for example, an avocado is an avocado, an apple is an apple, a steak is a steak, and chicken is chicken. So a lot of these protein bars flip the back of the ingredients. You're going to have a bunch of things that you can't necessarily pronounce, methyl, exyl, decyl, you know, onomatopoeia. You know, it's it's all of the, it's, you know, we have to recognize, and that goes into the whole thing that I was talking about earlier, where um, these, we are compromising these, you know, our, a nutritious and um, a nutritious lifestyle. Oh, that's a terrible wording. I'm sorry. <laughs> we're compromising, you know, uh, or we're trying to reinvent the wheel with a lot of these things. Everything is the new fad thing to do. It's cool. It's it's sexy. It's it's awesome. Like, oh, look at this protein bar. It's 50, 50 grams of protein. But yes, there's like 100 ingredients and 90% of them are technically, you know, carcinogen. <laughs> um, so I, I try to say to stick to what is homegrown, what is uh, what is what comes from the earth and whatever you, whatever is going to be sustainable for you. So, you know, the chewy bars, again, it's not, it's, it's naive of me to assume that parents are going to sit there and, 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 you know, get granola and then put honey in it and then, you know, melt their own, make their own this and that it's, it's, it's not, it's, it's, it's not um, realistic. Realistically speaking, are they bad? Are they good? Well, that depends on who you're asking and it depends on how much of a staple these foods are in your life. If your entire diet is consisting of chewy granola bars or protein bars, then, then I would say we have a problem. But if you're telling me, you know, if in order to hit your, your, your macronutrients and, or in, if what you need to eat today, if, if the difference between you eating today and not eating today is going to be that chewy granola bar or that protein bar, eat the protein bar. 
Like it's okay, <laughs> but you have to make sure that, you know, where, what does this, what stake does this play in my life? I, you know, for example, I had had a client when at the gym at one point where he was eating McDonald's three, four times a day, but he was losing weight. So like that to me as a trainer and a nutritionist is so concerning, but so like crazy because like you're not eating healthy, but you're eating in such a way that you're losing weight. Like, so for, for it's, 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 we need to understand like that for him, for example, that was his lifestyle. And for him, I would say, dude, you need to not do that. <laughs> like that is not okay. But for some people, if they say, oh, is that bad? If I have, let's say a Big Mac once a month. No, it's okay. Like, you know, understand the role that it plays in your life. Alcohol, same, same concept, same idea for, for, for the adult listeners, of course. Oh, I have a glass of wine at dinner time. Is that bad? Oh, how much of that, how much of it does it play in your life? Are you having 10 glasses of wine at dinner time? Are you having one glass of wine at dinner time? Are you having one glass of dinner time on a Saturday once a week? Those that's where that's where we really need to understand that relationship with food, and there is a big psychological component as well that goes hand in hand with that. So it's not to say that foods are good or bad, so to speak, and I, that's why I'm trying to I want to dismantle that idea that there are you know good foods and bad foods. It's it's recognizing that food's place in your life and how that is applicable to the bigger picture here. So. Going back to the example that you just presented, a lot of teachers, they'll have a protein bar you know, to, to make sure that they eat throughout the day. I have no problem with that per, on a personal level. Maybe some other nutritionists or other healthcare practitioners would say, no, that's terrible. But if, that, if you are having let's, five to seven of those protein bars a day and your meals, if the majority... So what, what I'm saying again in a roundabout way is like if the majority of your meals are coming from quality, wholesome, nutrient-dense places, and let's say you're having a quality, wholesome, nutrient-dense breakfast and dinner and snacks, but your one vice throughout the day is in order to get from a period four to period five is a protein bar, I, I'm, I'm not going to have you hang your head over that. that. There's nothing wrong with that. So Nick... Um- one thing I, you know, I want to go back to this idea of, again, it, it is the literacy view. And I want to go back to the idea of focus and concentration. So, I mean, I know that um, omega-3 fats are very important for the brain. And, you know, I think that, again, whether it's through supplements or foods like salmon, sardines, somewhere along the way, it's important for parents and, um, you know, and teachers to know that healthy fats are important. You mentioned avocado, but those um, omega-3, there are kids that aren't getting enough, as you said, vitamin D in their diet, and that could play an impact um, you know, have an impact on focus and concentration. Um, you mentioned B vitamins and um, zinc, you know, all of those really impact concentration. And wouldn't that impact learning as well? Of what, course, what absolutely. Is- absolutely. And um, you, when you're looking at the broad scope of nutrition and 
as as this as we're talking about on this podcast, the healthcare literacy, it it's important for people to prioritize their health. And I don't mean that people that everyone needs to become a WebMD doctor. You know what I mean? Like it, it's important to kind of do your own research, and that's what I. That's why I strongly advise to parents and I strongly advise to my patients and I strongly advise to my clients as well. It, it, you know, you need to have that, um, I guess, drive to put yourself in a position to do your own research and see what's going to work best for you. And you mentioned the point of omega-3 fatty acids and um, putting and, and having, you know, supplementation and I'm I'm in no position to tell parents or people, you know, to dictate what goes on in other people's households. I can give my you know, un unbiased, unscripted, unprompted advice, but ultimately, it is your choice at the end of the day to make those decisions. And I'm I think that it it is very important to do your own research and to be scholarly in this sort. The there are all of if you know you go on pubmed pub uh, pubmed you can look up any research study that you want and you know you could i want to say google it but pubmed it you know pubmed.com and you could look up omega 3 fatty acids and you know, link with cognition and your childhood development and things like that and you you'll you'll find a plethora of research studies that will show you what what exactly is going on what the up to date research is and you can check to see the most recent research and the most recent literature what um, about parents sorry so, Nick, there are parents who might not be equipped to do that. Let you know, that's and the reality. Scary. That's the reality that they don't have the academic, the literacy skills to be exactly. able to read these types of reports. And, you know, and maybe they don't have um, the ability to separate and discern what it is that it's telling them and what they should be doing. So I think, yes, I agree with you that you can't be in the position to tell people what to do, but if they're listening to this, I think maybe they are looking for some advice in, in terms of um, food and um, what certain uh, nutrients would be advisable. And then I just want to switch gears into exercise, but your thoughts on that? No, of course. Um, and I, I 100% agree. I, I don't think that there is any one particular... I, 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 it, it's, it's, it's tough for me to say this, but there's no one particular thing that parents or listeners should particularly be doing. I think it comes from that holistic approach to, again, having our uh that um it's it, it's not just one thing uh, that that that's what i really am trying to get at in short where it's you know trying to have quality wholesome ingredients that come directly from the source and that's my word of advice to people um i i would like to quote um a nutritionist and an author by the name of michael pollan um, oh, and he and michael pollan has a has a book called food rules and it's very simple it's very it's very cute i i i recommend everybody to read it but his his um his mantra of the book or the, the his i guess you could say his um his mission statement so to speak is eat real food not too much and mostly plants i think we all can get behind that and by real food eat 
quality food, eat food that comes from the earth, eat things that are are natural. And by natural, I mean, not naturally flavored. I mean, natural as in it comes from the earth. They're single ingredient foods. They're, they, they, they have structure to them and they're not refined ingredients. There's not a hundred ingredients on the back of it. And that would really be my advice. Try to the best of your abilities to um, drink more water. That's first and foremost, and eat natural foods that come from the earth um, and really trying to follow that that my plate example and 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 diagram of you know half your plate consisting of fruits and ve- fruits and slash or vegetables, one fourth of the plate consisting of a lean protein source. And by lean protein, I don't mean burgers. I mean you know, uh, you, and you can see you know the cuts of meat, the 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 percentage of fat to lean mass, um, chicken, fish, uh, things 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 like that. Um, quality whole grain. Um, not refined grains and 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 not not anything that is is ultra processed or ultra filtered. And you can see, you read it right on the package. Whole grain. It, it, it it's very simple. Brown rice, wild rice, all all of those things. Uh, this is this is what has helped evolutionarily speaking drive our us as a, as a human race forward. Uh, we didn't we didn't have pop tarts. You know when we were <laughs> when we were. Um, uh, cavemen and, and whatnot. These are these are the things that our ancestors ate. And these are the things that we should continue to eat in order to continue to make that evolutionary steps forward in 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 our civilization. Okay. So you know what? Um I wanna just wrap up now. I know um you know we've talked a lot about nutrition. Judy, what are your last thoughts? So some last thoughts for me. So thought number one is, Judy, when you see a bodega, skip it. <laughs> thought, thought number two, I think it's time to make sure that all of our schools give kids recess time, make it a priority. Teachers, instead of just planning all the time, maybe during lunchtime, go walk around the block. I've done it, um, but not consistently. And that, that's another thing I really learned from this session is that working on that self-regulation piece and Building better habits is going to be key. And like Nick said, finding what works for you. And I think the important thing is, you know, the things we're talking about today, I'm not a doctor. Faith is not a doctor. Nick is. But, you know, ask those questions. Do your research online. But also don't be afraid to go to your primary care physician, your doctors, your nutritionists, and keep asking those questions. And uh, I'm going to try to take my own advice. So thanks a lot, Nick. Of course. No, you said something that I 100% agree with. It's, it's, you know, in the, in the 21st century, we are at, we're in this position where it, it's no excuse to be ignorant on certain things. However, on, by that same, by that same um, line of reasoning, there's a lot of misinformation out there. So another piece of advice that I would like to pass along is if you're seeing things that number one, appear too good to be true, first and foremost, they probably are. Second most, when you're seeing these nutrition advertisements or you're seeing things that are marketed, most of the time, if someone's trying to sell you something, there is an underlying ulterior motive and you need to do your own reasoning and or deductive reasoning and research on, on something. You can look up anything and you could Google it, you could PubMed it, you could find this research and Faith, to your point, it, it's very hard to sift through that. But there, it, it, there comes a time and a place where 
if this is something that you want to delve delve deep deeper into, then those who are willing to do so will do so. But if you are unable to, stick to the broad scope. And that's why I say it's like that telescoping effect where I feel as though a lot of times parents, educators, people in general, they they, they go too far into the minutia. And when you look at the broad scope, take take those principles, those big those big principles that we just spoke about and do the best of your ability to apply those. Once you start getting into the minutia of all these little all these little things and well does does keto work does veganism work does this work does that that's when the water becomes muddy um and i think that we're in a good position and you guys have a great audience of 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 listeners and viewers that are willing to take that next leap of faith and and step to, as you mentioned to um educate themselves that's why they're listening one thing that got definitely my nutritionist, my own personal nutritionist already told me about that plate. I forgot about it. So I'm going to print out whatever plate my nutritionist gave me, the one that has the plate of what's a right. healthy diet. I think I need that visual reminder. I think it's also like Faith said, motivation is hard to just rely on. I wasn't motivated to, to even click print on my printer, but just printing out that document, having that visual reminder, and who knows? Maybe then the people in my house are going to look, oh, what's this healthy plate all about? What should it look like? So yeah, thank you. Of course. And you guys know better than I do when it comes to, you know, different learning aspects and different learning components, like, and maybe forgive, forgive my ignorance if I'm, if I'm wrong on this, but there are three different styles of learning and there's multiple styles of learning. I mean, I know for myself, I'm an auditory learner. So I like to listen to podcasts similar to this and uh, to educate myself. Some people are visual learners and some people are tactile learners. So to your point, see having that visual cue and that visual reminder of the my plate that might work. And that's why I was saying before, it's all about, it's all a matter of what sticks and finding what works for you. So as far as, you know, learning styles, I just, I knew it was going to happen. I have to say it. So that, that has been debunked, Nick. So just oh, beautiful. So it's time for the BS button. Oh, I love it. You even <laughs> told me. I I said, Faith, do I have to go in the garage to get it? You said, No, I don't think we'll need it for this episode. But you did say uh, you never. I know. said you never know. But Nick got lucky. He got. I'm lucky. so very Nick, sorry, Nick. You got the bullshit button twice, but. We didn't, you didn't say the magic word on our show, which is Lucy, where we take the shot. So he's safe okay. from that. You know, it was, it was know. with good intentions. I can assure okay. you of that. But, but to the, to the, to the point, I mean, the overarching point is there are different learning styles. Am I, am I, is that, is that incorrect? That's incorrect. So, oh, okay. so it's basically that, yes, some people favor a certain style, but it's not like you have to learn through a certain. Oh, of course. Yes, absolutely. And so it's, yeah, we all have our preferences. There are learning preferences, but um, as far as having to learn through a style as being a visual or auditory learner, you get the BS button for that, Nick. But, <laughs> but um, I just. It's give and take. It's give and take. That's it. So I just, here's my takeaway from all of this. Um, as we said, I think as far as um, parents are concerned, just like I would say is um, when they are doing work 
it needs to be consistent. Consistency is everything. And creating that consistency is hard, right? But um, we want to try to be as consistent as possible. Obviously, there are days when we can't be, but whether it's exercise or whether it is our diet and nutritional needs, we need to kind of be cognizant of what we're doing on a daily basis and try to do the best that we can for ourselves and for our kids. Is that not correct? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So um, I'm going to just leave us um, with one last thought here. And that is about building confidence. Um, Kids who struggle in school often lack confidence, self-esteem. And so um, I wanted to just one last question as far as exercise goes. Is there a certain exercise, whether it's aerobics, and remember we're talking about young children, right? Um, Is there a certain exercise that you think maybe is good to bring back focus, concentration, and work on their confidence as well? Because I know that confidence is a very big issue with kids, kids lacking confidence, and then they lose focus because they're not confident. So it kind of is, um, they work together. So any thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. That's a that's a great question and one that I was hoping that you would ask. Um, my advice is the best exercise, especially for kids, is the one that you that they want to do. If you want to play basketball, play basketball. If you want to play soccer, play soccer. If you want to run and play tag, if you want to do push-ups, calisthenics, whatever the case may be, the best exercise, especially early on in a child's development, is the one that they want to do. And I think as parents, as educators, as clinicians, as across the board, as adults, right? We need to lean into it. And I think that too often kids struggle with confidence, yes, amongst their own peers, but oftentimes it comes from the adults as well. Children see what the example that is being set. And if we have, let's say, educators or um, parents or again, adults across the board, and they're saying, oh, well, basketball's stupid or, you know, soccer's dumb or this or that. And, and you're, you are dismantling a child's uh, ability to grow and develop into something that they may actually take interest in. And that may be a gateway to something much greater. So for example, how many times have we heard that? Oh, well, why did you go to the gym? Well, I was playing soccer and I knew that I needed to get better at soccer. So in order to get better at soccer, I started running on the treadmill. I started lifting weights. I started doing plyometrics. I started doing calisthenics, all of these things. And that is where we create those channels of leading our children and ourselves in the direction of that cascade of positive reinforcement and positive positive drive and positive outcomes. And that is exactly what, you know, and that's not to say like, it, it, it's not to say like going back to the whole bodega example that, oh, you know, a kid should be playing soccer 24 seven. That's not what I'm saying, but it's, those are the channels that will be created because of that initial precipitating factor. 
the same the same thing with the peanut butter cups and going to the deli and going to the bodega. Maybe we don't go to the bodega that day, and that leads to better choices. And those better choices lead to even more choices, and that that creates that cascade. So to build a child's confidence, it it, it, it takes a village. So I, I can't I can't again I can't speak on behalf of you know children are mean, children are cruel, and and that that sucks. And that systematically we need to you know obviously work on as well. But we try to control the factors that we can't control. And the factors that we can't control is encouragement and, again, that exposure aspect of exposing kids to a bunch of different things and seeing what sticks and seeing what 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 works for them and allowing them to make these decisions and scrape a knee and, and, and see what works. Okay. All right. Well, Nick, thank you so much for joining us. This was a pleasure and, um, I, you know, I hope to talk to you again soon. This was great. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Okay. Judy, are you going to jump in and, uh, do your thing? Go ahead. Yeah. I'm going to do my thing. Next episode, if Nick ever comes back, we got to talk about coffee. We missed the topic of coffee, but we're going to stop there. Absolutely. I'd love to come back. Got to come back, Nick. All right, so follow me on Twitter at Boxner Judy. Follow my friend Faith at Faith Burkowski. Follow Faith on Instagram at Hi-Fi Literacy. Follow me, Boxner Damsky. And then join our Facebook group, The Literacy View, Real Teachers Letting Loose. Our group is growing, and we love having you all listen in. Thank you. Great. Good night, everyone.